Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Today, I'm really pleased and blessed to have my guest, Father uh, James Burkhardt from the Archdiocese of Houston. And uh, Father James has had a pretty prolific career already. Uh, you'll see in his bio that's linked to this episode. Um, I just had a few uh, minutes to speak with him briefly before the episode. And uh, just a tremendous person. And he's warm and inviting and has a lot of interesting ideas going on at his parish. But before I say any more about him or talk with him, I'll let Father James say whatever he wants to about himself. So Father James, welcome to Chattachesis. Hey, Deacon Matt. Great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, so yeah, I'm uh, a priest of the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, so it's a hyphenated name. Galveston. Uh, and it's Galveston, Houston, because Galveston is the original name of diocese and also the, the, the mother diocese of the state of Texas. Oh. Um, and so if, at some point in time, the diocesan office has moved from Galveston to Houston. And so because of the historical significance, it kept that name, and so we're a hyphenated name diocese. Um, so yeah, I was ordained in 1993, um, and uh, I'm originally from the Diocese of Beaumont, uh, but I came to Houston to go to college at the University of Houston, and I guess I got my young adult faith feet under me while I was here in college and kind of just decided to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so yeah, so entered seminary after I went to college, and um, ordained in 93, I said that. So um, I uh, have served as a parochial vicar in two parishes and um, a pastor. Now, I always tell people it depends on how you count. So I've either been a pastor of three parishes or five because we merged two parishes into one. Oh. So I don't know if you want to count them as two, three, one. I, I don't know. But anyway, so um that was an interesting first pastorate assignment. I don't ever need to do that again. Uh, and then, so now here at Christ the Good Shepherd, now into my seventh year. Yeah. And I see that you are the chairperson of the Archdiocesan Liturgical Commission uh, for a number of years. Uh, looks like you, you finished your tenure last year. And also board of director for the Southwest Liturgical Conference. Right. Who's in that uh, conference? How many states does that include? Yeah, so... Um, so I uh, got a, a, a Master of Theology and Liturgical Studies from the University of Notre Dame in 04, I think, and uh, the then Archbishop Fiorenza appointed me as chair of the Liturgical Commission for the Archdiocese, or Diocese and then Archdiocese. Um, and because of that position, I became involved with the Southwest Liturgical Conference. So that's uh, regions 10 and 13 in the USCCB sort of way that they talk about regions. Um, so that's 28 dioceses um, in Arkansas, Texas. I'll get this wrong. I'm sorry. Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, Arizona, 
I probably left somebody out. How about Utah? Not uh, Utah. Yes, Utah is the other one. Um, so uh, it's been a wonderful opportunity, and, and I get to work with some really amazingly talented and energetic uh, liturgical professionals in our in our region in the, the regions ten and thirteen. Um, so, so I know this wasn't part of our little script, but I want to ask you. So so off script, here we go. Uh, what's something you're really proud of that that you worked on or collaborated around as part of that that liturgical conference? Mm. You know, I would say probably, so I was president for six years, um, and uh, the last couple of years that I was president, we, we spent a lot of time and effort in kind of reorganizing and re-strategizing the group. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us are volunteers that work toward um, the goal in that particular organization to get liturgical catechesis and opportunities for formation out to the dioceses and it was that that organization was formed um, to be able to bring mm, the, 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 the formation of the Second Vatican Council to every diocese in the regions mm. um, and whether you're a big one or a little one and that's why the organiza- organization was there so you know you get catechesis and formation even if you're in a little tiny rural diocese and so we came together kind of as a co-op to do that so I spent a lot of energy with the executive committee to kind of regroup and re-strategize for sort of the days that we're in today. And then COVID hit and that changed everything. So, yeah, I have to call another session for re-strategizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the discussion about Absolutely. your particular parish. Uh, and let's start with the name. So uh, you're at Christ the Good Shepherd Catholic Community. Uh, is, what's the significance of that title, Catholic Community? You don't often see that or hear that uh, when you're driving by Catholic churches. It's usually St. Andrew the Apostle or St. Ours is actually St. Luke the Evangelist Catholic Church. Um, what's the significance of community in the title? You know, my understanding of the history, so uh, we talked about this pre-show, but uh, the previous parish I was in had that same moniker as well. Um both of these parishes were founded in 1978. And uh, it seems to me kind of something that was a part of the moment in, in the church here in the United States at that particular time. Um, and the pat- so the pastors, I think, were similar in, in philosophy that they really wanted to talk about and, and really uh, enhance the idea of a Catholic parish not being a, a building, but a group of people that we, the people of God, are the Church of God, and so they incorporated that incorporated that into the name of of, of the parish itself. Uh, it's unique, and uh, you know, so most people call parish, and that's fine. But the official name, in fact, is Catholic Community. So we keep that, I guess, for the same reason, kind of the the heritage of the idea that we are the people of God. The, the people make the church, not the buildings. The buildings house the people of God. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And it sounds like you're really capitalizing on that uh, in terms of, of your ministries and how you think about ministry in your parish. So the, the first thing you'll notice if you go to their, to their website, which we'll link to this episode, uh, right next to on their banner where it says home, it'll say faith groups. And it seems like uh, it's very small group driven, the, the ministry philosophy and how they do ministry there. So do you want to say anything about that? How, how uh, has that been working for you? What are your hopes for it? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So I, 
so just sort of generally philosophically, I, I think small groups are the way that we're going to save the Catholic church, quite honestly. Um, one of the concerns that I have, particularly here in the South is our communities are big. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of our parishes here in, in the Archdiocese of Galveston used to have nine or 10,000 registered families. Good and that's Lord. a small city. Is that because there's just only so many churches? I mean, if no, we would have built more? I mean, is it, what's, a pre-shortage. What's, yeah, a pre-shortage. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so we yeah. don't, and you know, and the, the religious order, everybody's feeling the clergy shortage, sure. the pre-shortage. Sure. You know, so when, the, when a religious order pulls out, the diocese has to take it back. Um, so we, we, could, we, could, we could probably open, if, if our archbishop wanted to, Cardinal DiNardo could open five parishes tomorrow and still need more. Um, so our parish here at Christ the Good Shepherd has maybe 3,500 registered families, more or less. It's always hard for me to figure out what's accurate and what's not accurate. But that's 10,000 individuals, more or less. I cannot know 10,000 people. No. It's not, I mean, I can't even want to know 10,000 people. <laughs> so, you know, some of the parishes I've been in previously were smaller and yeah. You know, that was awesome. I mean, at, you know, nine o'clock mass, Mrs. Somebody wasn't there. I'm like, well, where is she? I'm gonna go home and call her. And is yep. she, you know, that, that was awesome. But you know, when you have a parish with so many people, right. there's just no way to, to have that sort of intimacy. Um, and so I've been thinking for, for many years now, I, I would say 10 or 12, maybe more than that. Um, probably more than that, that we have to do something about letting people get to know each other again. You know, I just don't think, I don't think that the, that the church was ever formed to be anonymous. Um, I think we're going to talk about evangelization in a little bit, but we weren't, we weren't formed to be anonymous. We're not blogs. We're not, you know, we're not supposed to be, you know, websites that people go to and they don't have any sort of accountability. Um, So I think small groups are the way to go because there's something in community. There's something in the fact that I get to know who I, who I'm talking with. And, and so this idea of the small groups is something we've been working toward here at Christ the Good Shepherd. I'm in my seventh year now. So we started that kind of just as a side part of adult formation and something kind of almost right after I got here. But during this COVID issue, it has become a whole new parish initiative for us. Um, So in April, when we sort of began to realize that uh, COVID wasn't just a passing thing, and oh my goodness, what are we going to do about faith formation? So in the spring, we worked at Zoom formation or, you know, online virtual formation. And, but I mean, when we have in-person catechesis, it's, it's been a struggle, honestly, for us in the past several years to get enough catechists, to get enough this, to get enough that. And so we started getting kind of panicked, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to make this float? And, and we, we are space deprived because of the size of our community. And mm-hmm. if we have to space all these people out, we're going to have religious education classes morning, noon, and night every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started working and praying together and brainstorming with our faith formation department. And after a couple of months came up with the fact that, you know, it's all about the family and community. And I loved that. I didn't push it, but man, I loved it that they got there. Um, so in the rite of baptism, 
you know, the priest or the deacon, deacon, you'll know this, you say to the parents, do you take on the responsibility of, of bringing your children up in the faith of Jesus Christ? And they have to say yes, or we don't baptize them. But what, if we, what do we do after that? They say yes, and then we take that responsibility away from them, and we don't let them do it. We say, oh, no, we'll do it for you. Don't worry about it. I don't you're know touch- why we got into that, but we got I don't into either, that. But you're touching on a very critical subject, which, again, wasn't part of our pre-show plan, but uh, may- maybe it's the Lord or the Holy Spirit uh, bringing it up. You know, um, uh, w- We're not going to answer why this shift happened, a shift of responsibility for faith formation, catechesis, but what are you so tell me in light of what you just said what are you trying to do there to bring more balance or to bring parents back into this role of primary catechist so that's kind of the main point so what we began three weeks ago this will be our fourth week every week we send to every registered family in our parish a lesson of the week so if you're a family of one or 20 it doesn't matter we send you a lesson of the week um, the Archdiocese of Galveston Houston has a catechetical framework that it came up. I think Sadler has been working with us in some of that. Um, and so we use the, the catechetical framework as a basis for our lesson planning. And then we have a, a, a beginner, middle, and advanced sort of part to that lesson. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it goes out via um, email. It's also on our website. Um, and so people can look at that. We'll, we, I think by now we have a printable version, you know, some of the, sometimes if you're not computer savvy, so there's a printable version, you can do that. So our, our hope now is, our, our change in focus is that now what we're going to do is accompany the parents mm-hmm. in preparing their children and themselves in the faith of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so every week we send out this lesson and we want to encourage and help and walk with, accompany families in learning about God. And we want them to do it together. We don't, it has been unsuccessful that we have separated children from their parents and from each other because they get together when they go home from the classes and their parents say, oh, no, that's not right. And the kids say, yes, it is. I just learned that. And then they come back and we have parents ask us, how come you didn't teach my child the Lord's Prayer? I'm like, well, I'm not supposed to teach your child the Lord's Prayer. You're supposed to this conversation. So we wanted to change the paradigm. So I've got to ask right away, because I'm sure every deacon or priest who's listening to this is wondering the same thing. How have parents taken to it? It's a, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So um, I will say that, you know, we have, we are changing the direction of the ship and the ship doesn't turn quickly. So I'm having to accompany our staff as well because there are different ways of accompanying people now. Um, so it's, it's slow and we're, it's going to be slow, but I'm committed to it because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, and so the idea that we're going to walk with each other, we've had some people call us and go, Oh my gosh, this, I just got an email yesterday actually from a family that says, this is, I mean, my words, not theirs, but the best thing since sliced bread, you know, I mean, um, part of it is diff- different or because change is different and that's difficult. Always. So I have to learn this new dynamic or this new thing or this new whatever. So that's, so I get it. Right. And it's yeah. okay. So we're going to have patience mm-hmm. and we're going to be longstanding and we're going to continue to do that. Um, and my hope is that maybe by Christmas, if we can get 
I don't know, a third of our families, particularly mostly the families that were involved in our faith formation um, activities pre this initiative, uh, kind of on board, I will count that as a success. Wonderful. And, and like you said, you're already seeing fruits. And, uh, you know, as you know, some of the greatest missionaries in, in history uh, would go and, and evangelize their whole lives and not even hear of a conversion. But then later the, the fruits spring up and, uh, you know, but you're already seeing that. So God bless you. What a wonderful gift. And uh, not that it matters much, but I think you're on the right track as well as far as small groups and well, thank putting, you. putting the, it's not about shifting the responsibility. It's about what the key word is accompanying one another. Yes. And part of accompanying parents is empowering parents. Amen. And I think that's what you're doing. Yeah, and we don't want to leave them on an island by themselves, right? right. That's not the point at all. We want to be right. able to have resources for them and, you know, any kind of help they need. But, you know, I'm part of a generation. I'm 56 now, I think. So I'm part of a generation. I mean, I remember going to weekly catechesis, and I don't remember anything from that. The, 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 what I learned about the Catholic Church, honestly, came from seminary formation. Mm-hmm. So what we have been doing in my experience, my personal experience has not been working. Mm-hmm. So I think the family has to get recentered in the faith of Jesus Christ so that we can get back to the way we're supposed to be. So it's a three-tiered kind of a, real quickly, I just want to say, kind of a three-tiered method. COVID is hampering our, our, our tiered sort of idea, but um, the, the second tier is the small groups. So the first tier is the domestic church. So we want to empower, as you say, the domestic church. Um, and we're passionate about that. I'm really passionate about that. Um, and then we want to bring three or four, maybe depending on, you know, eight to 10 people, no more than that, families together. So three or four families together that they would meet maybe every four to six weeks. So it's the same lesson. It's the same weekly lesson, but now translated from a, a domestic church uh, uh, paradigm to uh, now a small group paradigm and they'll have a small group leader. We're training small group leaders now. Um, so I don't know, maybe by the new year, we'll be in a place where we can actually start implementation of the small groups. But what we're working on doing is creating small groups in neighborhoods. So people live next door to each other and don't even know that they're Catholic, oh, yeah. much less go to the same oh, yeah. parish. Yep. So we want to group four or five families who live within a couple of blocks of each other so that they can get to know each other. Hey, you go to Christ the Good Shepherd. I go to Christ the Good Shepherd. See that right there, Father, if I can can butt in, that right there is a great example of understanding what the word parish means. This idea of a territory, not just a building where we congregate, but a territory and really mobilizing the Catholics within that territory. And, And part of that mobilization is just getting them to introduce themselves to each other. Right. Yeah. So what I hope happens is long-term, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. So long-term, I hope that, you know, the kids are going to become friends and then the parents are going to become comfortable with these other parents and get to know them. And then they're going to say, hey, you know what? I need to go somewhere. Do you mind watching my kids? No, nah, mm-hmm. come have them come over. And then the kids are going to play with each other because that's natural and they live only four houses away. That's okay. Mm-hmm. What a cool thing. And then what happens is other children see these children playing together. So maybe the other children come in and then evangelization really starts happening. Hey, how do you know each other? Oh, mm-hmm. we go to Christ the Good Shepherd. Oh, well, I, where is that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's over there. Now we have 
within a couple of blocks. And so that's a small group, right? So our third tier we're calling flocks. So Christ the Good Shepherd, you know, flocks, a flock of the shepherd. So, yeah, I know. And so, you have the smell um, of the sheep on you. <laughs> that's it. There you go. That's, <laughs> it. that's exactly right. So hopefully as COVID kind of wanes and we have the opportunity to gather again in community, then we're going to bring multiple groups together here in our church and we'll have a community, a large community lesson, still of that same weekly lesson, just now translated on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that would look maybe more like a regular formation class. So we'll have start together with a community prayer and then, you know, split off and, and split off into age groups and the adults go here and the high schoolers and young uh, junior highs and whatever. And then we all come back. We're still determining that and how it's actually going to be. And COVID's going to, you know, kind of help us figure that out when and where and how as well. But that's, those are basically the three tiers. Well, I think that's a wonderful paradigm. And uh, I, I think hopefully our listeners, uh, if they aren't already enacting aspects of this, uh, I'm, I'm sure co- actually COVID's probably forcing a lot of people's hands to just do this anyway, yeah. to get parents more involved, to get more domestic in our ecclesiality. And then to try to, as you say, form these organic or natural bonds within the parish community, meaning territory, and then build on those by, uh, you know, build on that social socialization that's already happening and, and trying to increase faith while doing that. I think it's great. Um, we got so, so little time and this conversation is so rich. So I'm going to jump to uh, another big point that I wanted to discuss with you because I think it's wonderful. And it's your approach to sacramental prep. And I, th- I found it unique for one reason, really, and it's that you bring in, <clears throat> this kind of speaks to what you were just talking about, you bring in the parents, and the parents meet with a catechist or a catechetical leader, and you have a discernment interview about the child or children's readiness to receive that sacrament. I find that ex- incredibly unique, very interesting. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world to, to have these kinds of discussions with the parents. Um, do we do that? Is that happening elsewhere? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how frequent or common this is. I'll say in my experience, yours is the first uh, parish I've come across. And I've, been, I've lived in four different states. Uh, I've worked in three different dioceses. Um, why, aren't we do, why, why aren't we doing this more? And what's, what are you discovering is the benefit of this kind of coming together to discern probably not only a child's readiness, but what about willingness, yeah. you know, to do this? Yeah, well, I have a big soapbox. We probably don't have time for the soapbox, <laughs> so I'll put, it, I'll put that aside. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the idea of discernment, pre, pre-COVID and pre-this initiative that we've begun with, you know, domestic church and small groups, um, we, we were trying to get to that place to understand how we, how we keep the family together in the formation and preparation for their children to, to have the sacraments. And so we have, we've always had these interviews with the whole family coming together because we want the parents to know what their children know and don't know. And mm-hmm. then they have to be on board. Um, so we have, I think, four sessions, three or four sessions to prepare for first reconciliation, and then another three or four sessions to, to prepare for um, first Eucharist. That's, that's a community session, but the work continues at home. So 
apart from the weekly now, the weekly lessons that we're sending, there's also now sacramental preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, so pre, pre-COVID and pre this initiative of, of domestic church and small groups, we, we were working toward that to get the families involved more. Now it's even more so. So uh, one of the wonderful things in the catechetical framework that we have is their benchmarks of faith. So within, you know, so by the, by the time your kid is in first grade, they ought to know this. By the time your kid is in second grade, third grade, fourth grade, all the way up. So now our benchmark is going to be when, when parents come to us and say, my kid is ready to start with uh, you know, preparation for first reconciliation. So I'll say, okay, well, do they know the act of contrition? Do they know an act of contrition? Well, what's that? Well, they're not ready. So we need to get them ready. And when they're ready, we'll come back. You know, and so there's some prerequisites, if you want to call that, and that's not on us, that's on the parents. We'll accompany you, we'll help you, we'll give you resources, we're, we're not going to leave you abandoned, but we're going to accompany you in that. And when they're ready, then they're, now they're ready to start this process and we'll, we'll continue walking forward. Yeah, and I, I appreciate, too, that with those benchmarks, it's not just, as I saw it anyway, not just what you knew, it's also, are you praying? Absolutely. It's also, are you going to worship? Or are you worshiping? Uh, and I think there might even been service-oriented things too, but you're hitting all those pillars. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so, and the kids, you know, kids are honest. So <laughs> the, the catechists tell them, do you I wish go my to church? kids were more honest now. <laughs> yeah, do you go to mass? And they'll say, well, they may be not honest to you, but they're honest yeah. to other people. Yeah. Um, so the catechists will say, well, you go to mass, and the kid will say, well, what's that? Okay, well, there's, there's That's we a have a problem. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, again, I think it's it's a tremendous and a, a smart uh, and simple. It seems a rather simple sort of um, uh, thing to do. Uh, you know, we're going to schedule a meeting. You could probably do it over Zoom. You know, if you need to or whatever. And and we're going to go through these benchmarks. And do you see, mom and dad, uh, is this happening? And uh, I think it's great. I, and this also leads me to a kind of a final and, and follow up question. Um, you have an evaluation uh, for first reconciliation. Do you have evaluations for your other sacramental prep uh, ministries? Do you do any other kinds of evaluation? Because there again, I I applaud you. Uh, it's not easy. Who wants who wants feedback, especially if it's critical or or you know negatively critical, if you will, not constructively. Um, so I applaud you for being open to that. Uh, I, I'm not sure again aggregately who all what parishes are doing this kind of thing intentionally seeking feedback but you are and how is that going for you well honestly i mean the thing is is that if what we're doing is not helping the parents then why are we doing it you know or if what we're doing isn't helping the person that we're trying to help in whatever sacramental preparation or whatever then you know that train got off the track so we got to fix it um and we're pretty successful i would say in in the sacramental prep, particularly the younger the age, the more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, the older the age, the less, the more we struggle with getting evaluations and discernments back. So we've changed our mission a little bit or our way of doing that. So now we have evaluations kind of planted along the way in the process. Captive audience. Yeah. So how's this going for you? What are you doing? <laughs> what do you think? How, what do you, well, we, for the last two weeks, we've been doing this and there. last two months, we've been doing this and this and this. How's that work? Oh, you didn't like it. Well, why didn't you like it? And we're writing that down, right? So right. Um, we're integrating it in a different way so that we can get the feedback. So, because so I gotta, otherwise, I gotta, 
Why bother? Yeah, why bother? Why bother doing it if it's not effective? I have to ask the question, especially with the young people themselves responding, uh, are, are they being, you said they're being honest. Are they being honest and saying, I don't like this? Is someone saying oh, 100%. that to you? Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah. So you don't know. You don't know if they're going to, you know, father's going to see this. Well, I'm going to say what I want to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, Long- we, one of the things in our, in our first reconciliation and first Eucharist preparation in particular, I love the way we do this because our, our catechetical team has, has created stational catechesis. And so they don't just sit in one place for two hours or three hours or whatever. So they have a story time. They have a, a this time. They have a that time. They have mm-hmm. a something else time, you know, and, and they're involved in the activities. And do it. so it's really active. And the parents are a part of that as well. And they have to be, whether they like it or not, they have to be there. And I, I love that. I mean, it's, 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 uh, we have good, we have a good, maybe the most solid, uh, reconciliation and Eucharistic preparation program that I've ever been in here at this parish. Well, good on you. This is tremendous work you're doing, Father. So uh, we are definitely out of time, and I want to make sure that we uh, have a quick wrap-up and that we get your blessing. Uh, Thank you again so much for being with us here on Chattachesis and sharing what's going on at Christ the Good Shepherd there in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, Uh, hitting on the important points of small groups, the way of the future, fellowship, how critical that is to evangelization, uh, bringing parents along, empowering them to be a part of the mission of evangelizing their children, um, being willing to be evaluated and how important that is. Uh, Thank you for for what you're doing, okay? And I hope this, uh, in fact, I know this will be a blessing to our listeners. So speaking of blessing, would you mind closing this out by offering your blessing? I would love to. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. May the blessing of Almighty God be upon you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's it for this episode of Chattachesis. I'm Deacon Matt Hallback, again here with William H. Sadler, Inc., and I want to thank once again my guest, Father James Burkhardt, for being with us today. Thanks, Father. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.